Week two of relationships. How many of you know relationships are important? Yeah, one. Ryan knows relationships are important. Thanks, Ryan. I'll just preach to you. How are you this morning, mate? No, come on, come on. I, I need a little bit of help. Because I've got my wrong glasses on and I can't see anything. I can read this really well, but you're just all a blur. So I can't see you, but I'll need to hear you. So how many know that relationships are important? Oh, so good. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And uh, that's all I need. Just a bit of response. That's amazing. No, but you know what? The word of God um, merits a response. That's the truth. You're not responding to me. You're responding to what the truth of the word is. So uh, we're having a bit of a joke, but uh, it's good to lean in. Relationships are important because they are part of every part of our life. You cannot go anywhere or be anywhere or do anything without being in relationship. And even if you want to go to a cave and live as a hermit, you will still be in relationship. It'll just be with yourself. Or a volleyball, depending on how long you are there. Um, God is a God of relationship. God created us for the sole purpose of being in relationship with us. And once he created man, he then looked at man and he said, that's not good enough. Man should not be alone. Man needs to be in relationship with other men. And he created Eve and, and we know the story. And even when sin came into the world because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, the whole story of the gospel is God's desire to once again have relationship with his creation. Jesus came and Jesus said this in John 6:37. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and I don't let go. Can you I've never read it in the message, but do you realize that once Jesus has you and once you say yes to Jesus, he's not letting you go. He says it, I will not let you go. This is what my father wants, that anyone, this is uh, verse 40, that anyone who sees the son and trusts who he is and what he does and then aligns with him will enter real life, eternal life. My part is to put them on their feet alive and whole at the completion of time. It's not just about relationship here and now, it's about an eternal relationship. We understand and we value the importance of relationship and that is why the enemy is so good at trying to attack us on those fronts. He tries to constantly break down and, and misconstrue relationships, get us isolated, because he knows that in relationship we are stronger than if we are on our own. Jesus spoke a lot about relationships. His greatest commandment was this. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? His reply was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. You cannot love anybody with your mind and your soul and your heart unless you are in relationship with them. That's the first and most important relationship. Love your neighbour. Love others. Second relationship. As yourself. Implying that you love yourself and treat yourself well and take care of yourself. Three Degrees or levels of relationship with God, with ourselves, and with others. And it's impossible to break all of those down and, and preach a word in 35 minutes. So we're going to focus on one this morning. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you this morning the importance of your relationship with others. Your relationship with others. And we're going to focus in particularly this morning on people you spend the most amount of time with outside of your family. 
For some of us, we spend more time with these people than with our family, and those are the people we work with, our workmates and colleagues. So if you're writing notes, which I hope you are, the topic or the title of my message this morning is Building Kingdom Relationships. Building Kingdom Relationships. So why, why am I focused on colleagues and workmates this morning? Why that particular stream? Well, the first thing we need to know is that most of us who are... Who, and if you're not in a job, if you work from home or if you're maybe a student, just replace the word colleague or workmate with student or teacher or... Uh, soccer mom or the parents of the kids that, you're, that, that go to school with you, whatever it is, it's the people external to your inner circle that you spend the most amount of time with. In a work sense, we spend nearly 2,000 hours a year, that's a lot, working alongside people. Alongside people whose relationship in many cases is with the Lord, is, is either non-existent or it's shaky. Uh, a lot of people who, maybe on the outside, are presenting like they've got it all together, but we know that if you are external to a relationship with Jesus, no matter how good or how well you present, you are going to be missing something. There is going to be hurt, there's going to be pain, there's going to be things that aren't right, there's going to be a void that is always there until you find Jesus. And you and I get to work with people like that, me less, because of where I work. Hopefully the people I work with uh, are not these people, but um, they all love and know Jesus. But, but can I be honest, I make a, a, a pointed effort of spending as much time as I can with people that I used to work with, colleagues and partners and, and, um, and suppliers and other people that we used to work with in Spices, I continue to maintain relationships with those people because I want to make sure that I'm rubbing shoulders with people who don't yet know Jesus. We all have this incredible opportunity to bring the kingdom of God into their world, to let them know that Jesus loves them, that there is a God that isn't against them, that there is a God that is for them. He's not up in the sky with a big stick waiting to beat them as soon as they do something wrong, but he's waiting there with open arms saying, I love you, I forgive you, I want relationship with you. But they are not going to know that unless it's through relationship. We are well past the day of people standing on street corners, uh, handing out tracts and screaming at people. It is really, really important to understand that 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 especially in Australia, in a post-Christian world, they want truth displayed through trustful relationships. There was a survey that was done a few years ago that said that two out of three people, it might even be 70% of people, would say yes to an invitation to church or to a conversation around Jesus and spirituality if it was by a, a, a friend that they trusted. So we have this incredible opportunity whether you are working in a birth suite or whether you are working in an accountancy firm or whether you are a teacher at the school, you are uniquely positioned through your relationship to have an impact in these people's world. So the question I need to ask, and, and I, I ask myself, is are the relationships with these people merely professional? Or do you understand that the relationships that are possible have eternal consequence? That never again will you be where you are doing what you're doing with the people that you are doing. And that you are not there just to take home a paycheck or to get some job satisfaction. You are uniquely placed as an ambassador of Jesus through relationship to make a difference in these people's world. And to bring something into their world that they otherwise would not have. Now I know that work relationships are sometimes challenging. How many people have watched The Office? We all know that it can get really weird. 
We all have that weird person that, you know, writes their name on their sandwiches or whatever it is. I, don't, I haven't been in that type of office for a while. But, um, but they're, they're challenging. They're challenging. The demands and stress that are placed on getting jobs done and meeting goals together and um, working in a team that you might not get on with everybody. And we all have a list of reasons or excuses why we just turn up every day and we do our job and then we go home. And they, they look and sound something like this. I don't need to build meaningful relationships at work. I don't have time. I'm just there. I do my job. No one really wants to know anyway. And then I go home. I fear being vulnerable. You know, to share your faith, you need to be vulnerable. We'll talk about that in a minute. Relationships are draining. Yes, they are. Some are. But they can also be life-giving. And if someone in your office is a draining person, what they need is someone to put into them to fill them up. I distance myself out of insecurity. We're just not on the same page. I'll be nice to people who treat me well and who I get on with. We all have. Now, that's just a sample. But we can go to work and look at the people we work with and come up with a million of excuses why it's better that we just turn up and do our job and be nice and go home. But God has a different view. God's got an answer to every single one of our excuses because you are positioned, you are embedded supernaturally where you are to bring the kingdom. And we have to understand that. It's not just a job. God looks at what we say and he says this. I don't need to build meaningful relationships at work. God says your relationships at work are an absolute priority. I fear being vulnerable. Jesus said my strength for your weakness. Relationships are draining. God says I will supply all your needs. I distance myself out of insecurity. God says but you're Christ's ambassador. You have to be there and build relationships. We're just not on the same page. Everybody's created in the image of God. Even that weird person on the end cubicle who smells. I'm serious. They're all creating God's image. It'll be, I'll be nice to people who treat me well and who I get on with. God says, I want you to love others the same way that I love you. Remember when you were far from God, he loved you so much that he gave his only son even when you were walking in sin, so that he could be close to you. God's view is different. The way we build relationships at work is significant in our participation of bringing God's kingdom to wherever we go. And how we interact and how, how much we work on being good in relationship with the people we work with can actually have an inter- eternal impact for better or for worse. You know, we are in this beautiful season at church where we're, we just believe we're on the verge of something. We are, we are right on the precipice of God doing something amazing. These last three or four months, we've felt God's presence. We've, we've all been praying together. And, and can I encourage you on Wednesday, come with us and, and pray. It's, it's a significant hour. We're all praying for revival. But even 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, look to the fields. They are white for harvest. In another time, he said that, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Can I tell you that your harvest is your workplace? Don't pray for revival thinking it's going to come from Fernvale on a train and arrive here and go, here we are. Don't pray for revival if you don't understand that you are the revival that your office needs. You are there 
to bring revival. Through relationship, through understanding your unique position. The harvest is your workplace and you are the worker. We have a responsibility to consciously choose to see all relationships through a kingdom lens, the way that God sees them. And it's not easy. But 2,000 hours a year, can you imagine the difference that would make if we start to proactively and meaningfully build relationships that have eternal value and that are, that are kingdom-minded? If we represent him well and we learn to build quality, loving, servant-hearted, grace-filled relationships with the people around us, then the people around us will be more interested in what we believe. Because they'll look at us and say, you know what, there's something about you. The way you act, the way you treat people, the way you always bring a card for that person that's down or, or choose to, to bake cakes for them, whatever it is, there is something about you that is attractive and I want to know more. The opposite is also true. If you turn up and you are the grumpiest person in the office, no joy, snap at people and are mean, can I tell you that nobody is going to want your Jesus? Because the only way they know your Jesus is through you. Paul Scanlon has this amazing quote, and, and it may not be perfect. I, I, I couldn't find it. I just remembered it. But it says this. No one will want anything to do with your Jesus if they can't stand you. Or if they don't know you. What a responsibility. We carry Jesus and the vessel that we carry it in will make a difference to people to go, you know what, I'm either interested in that or I don't want anything to do with that. And Jesus is our ultimate example. He endeared himself to the people he was trying to reach. He spent more time with the people he was trying to reach, with the lowly, with the, with the outcasts, with the downtrodden, eating with them and drinking with them and praying for them and serving them and, and loving them and being in their world than he did with the, the, the religious elite. What an example. But it does require effort. We do need to know how do we do this. Every relationship is like a plant. If you don't water it, it dies. If you don't work on it, it dies. Helen and I have been married for 22 years now and we are continually trying to work out how can we get stronger, how can we get closer, how can we, how can we continually work on ourselves so that our relationship is honouring of God. So we're going to look at two keys this morning, two pillars if you like to building kingdom relationships, especially in a work context. The first one is trust. I want you to pause for a moment and think about the people in your world, in your life that you trust the most. There's a good chance that those are the people that you have the strongest relationship with. Relationship that is built over time. Relationship that is built layer upon layer, precept upon precept. And the interesting about trust and relationship is that trust can take a while to build. It grows and builds and grows. And I use an analogy with my kids sometimes that trust is like a bathtub. It takes a couple of hours to get full, but you only have to pull the plug out and it can empty real quick. So trust is really important when it comes to relationships. It's arguably the most important ingredient in any relationship. I heard um, Earl McManus the other day online say that you can love without trust, but it becomes controlling. But if you love with trust, it's all about giving and letting go and serving. 
The thing is, if people don't trust us, then they don't believe us. If people don't believe us, then they distance themselves from us. And it's really hard to share your faith and to serve and love others from a distance. Stephen Covey, who is a, a world-renowned expert, he's, he's a Christian guy, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he did a lot of uh, leadership training and he wrote books and, and trust was a key pillar of everything that he wrote. And one of his great quote, quotes is this, trust is the glue of life. It's the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It's the foundational principle that holds all relationships. Trust takes time needs to be built layer upon layer. And the beautiful thing about working in, a, in an environment where you get to spend 2,000 hours a year with people is that you have time. You have time to ensure that the relationships you're building with people are built on foundations of trust. And when that happens, when they trust you, the amazing thing is you can speak life, in, you can start to speak into their world and they will listen and they will accept. If they don't trust you or if you are at, at a distance or if, or if there's things about you they're not quite sure of, it'll be really hard. So we're going to look at three significant characteristics for building trust. They are authenticity, vulnerability, and consistency. We'll go through each quickly, and then we'll look at the second pillar of building amazing kingdom relationships. Authenticity. Authenticity comes with being genuine. I have a question for you. A question I ask myself all the time. Who are you Really? Who are you when no one else is looking? Who am I when no one else is looking? Are you exactly the same person at work as you are here on a Sunday morning, as you are at home with your family? Authenticity is about being the same person no matter where you are, no matter who you're with. And what you say and do and how you respond can affect your credibility. If you turn up one day and you're beautiful and nice and caring and the next day you're distant and you're short, there's going to be a disconnect. It's so important that people know that we talk the talk, uh, we, that we, we walk the talk and don't just talk the talk. Two challenges with work environments. One is that we end up becoming too much like the work environment and we have our, our Monday to Friday version of our Christian life which is where we, we unless people knew that we were followers of Jesus we just sort of blend in I spent years in Club Med and can I tell you even though I love Jesus I wasn't really close to him and I blended in like a crazy man because I was so afraid of what people would think and I was so insecure in my own relationship with the Lord and I, I hadn't yet worked out all the amazing reasons why I loved Jesus. So I just kept to myself and I did my thing and then one day someone asked me, oh you're a Christian aren't you? And I was, I was so embarrassed to say yeah absolutely because I'm like oh my gosh what are they going to think? The challenging thing with Portraying yourself like everybody else is that, first of all, it's not attractive. And secondly, or, second of all, most people know that you are a Christian. And they don't expect you to be perfect, but they expect you to be different. And if you're not different, then not only is it not attractive, but it lacks authenticity. And people want 
the real deal. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said these words, 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The other challenge we have is where we get removed. So we don't blend in. We don't just you know, have the extra five drinks on a Friday lunch. We don't just go along with the, you know, the, the work jokes. We don't, we're not that, but we're the opposite. We remove ourselves. We're, we're Ned Flanders. Everybody knows Ned Flanders. Where we, we, we give like a, a fake, sterile, highlights version of ourselves where everything's amazing and my life's perfect and, and, and if only you guys could get your life together then you know, we, could, we could hang out. There's nothing worse. One of the reasons that people don't want to come to church in, in 2023 is that for years they perceived the church as being removed and judgmental rather than coming alongside to serve and love and, and do all the things that Jesus did. Now, it might be a perception, but it's a hard perception to get over when people are like, why would I want anything to do with where you go when all you do is judge people and tell people that they're, are you perfect, are you? That's, that's what we hear. People who are far from God are looking for the real deal. Neither worldly compromise or phony religion. We've been called as followers of Jesus to be authentic in our faith, to be to be true representatives of Jesus. Being that same person every day will bridge the gap between, between what people see when they peer into our lives and what Jesus said they should see, which is a reflection of him. The truth is we have a billboard version of ourselves. But the billboard version of ourselves absolutely needs to match the fine print of our life. It doesn't mean you have to be weird. It doesn't mean you have to be distant. In fact, it's the very opposite. You just have to be authentic. You just have to be authentic. That's attractive to people. You're a new creation. You're not perfect. People don't expect perfect. But we have a perfect Jesus that's transforming us. And if we're authentic, then that allows us to be, to be someone else, something else which is vulnerable, which is where we start to share, you know what, I'm not perfect. My life isn't perfectly together. But thank God I have Jesus in my life who's helping me out. Which brings us to point number two, which is second characteristic of building trust, and it's vulnerability. How many of us struggle to be vulnerable? I know we all do because otherwise hands would have gone shooting up. No one must put the hand up and go, yeah, I really struggle with being vulnerable. Look at me. No. It's true. We, we, we don't always want to tell people what's going on. We want to protect ourselves and the, and, the, and the image that we portray. But the problem with that is it lacks authenticity, which we've just spoken about, and it denies us the opportunity to let people know that without God, our life wouldn't be what it is. If we are always portraying this image that we've got it all together and we don't let anybody close and we're not vulnerable then how are we going to let people know that I was once this and then I met Jesus and now I'm this? Or I'm struggling with this, but Jesus is helping me through and this is how I'm going to get out the other side. How do we have those conversations if we don't let people know the truth about where we're at? Paul, who wrote 
two-thirds of the New Testament. He was pretty vulnerable in Romans 7. He wrote this, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How's that for vulnerability? 2,000 years and billions of people reading that you had a struggle that you, you, you lived with, that was this ongoing challenge. He was being vulnerable, but he was saying, this is what I struggle with, but God. Thank God that I have God. How many of us can relate to Paul? How many of us are glad that Paul was vulnerable and wrote what he wrote so that we can go to that and go, okay, Paul struggled, so if I'm struggling, it's okay. A lack of vulnerability or being honest with your weakness and struggles makes it really hard to build trust. And the only way we can be authentic is to actually be real about where we're at. And can I just throw a caveat out there? Being vulnerable is not airing your dirty laundry. It's not saying, oh, you won't believe what happened on the weekend. Went to the metro and I didn't want to get drunk. I got wasted. That's, that's, that's not being vulnerable. That's being dumb. Because vulnerability is less about you and it's more about giving opportunity to, to give God glory for the things that are happening in your life. Because everybody's going through stuff. The, th- the difference is the people that, that don't know Jesus, the people that you work with, our workmates, our colleagues, our teachers, whoever it might be, they're going through probably the same stuff you're going through except they don't yet have an answer. And they are looking for answers. They are looking for answers in addiction, in drugs, in medication, in alcohol, in, in affairs, in, in self-help books, in YouTube videos. They are looking for answers anywhere. What they need to do is look for an answer that already has been answered in somebody that is working right next to them. So being vulnerable is about sharing God's love, goodness and power in your life during tough times and seasons. And it's not about airing your dirty laundry. To be really honest, your vulnerability is your testimony. Most of us know Pastor Paul de Jong in New Zealand. He's been battling for two or three years brain cancer. They gave him three months to live and he's still going strong. He has been so vulnerable with his journey. He has shared it openly. But every time he gets on the platform to give an update on where he's at, he says the reality, this is what's happening. And then he says these two words, but God. And can I tell you that vulnerability allows the but God conversations to happen with your workmates, with your colleagues. Paul says, I would be dead by now, but God. We can say, I used to struggle with addiction, but God. We used to say, I was dead and lost and full of shame, but God. We can say, my marriage was on the rocks, but God. I was once lost, but God. I am currently going through a tough financial season. But God. Paul had a thorn. We don't really know what it was, but he pleaded with God to take it off him. Three times he pleaded. He said, Lord, take this from me. And finally, the Lord responded in 2 Corinthians. We read it. Chapter 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Point number three, consistency. How many of us have worked with people that are different Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I used to have a boss that Monday, Monday afternoon, Tuesday, they'd be great, and then by Thursday, they were a psycho. <laughs> they'd turn up and be like, oh no, it's, it's crazy woman's turned up today. There is something to be said about being the same person all the time through all situations. Don't be the person that makes others walk around on eggshells. Just be you. Be the version of you that everybody knows is going to turn up and do that every day. It builds trust. Be authentic every day. Be vulnerable all the time and just keep doing it. Just keep being, be, be boringly predictable about how you're going to love and serve and respond to people. Be the rock in your organization. Follow the example of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus Christ was the same yesterday and today and forever. There was a business study done in Harvard uh, in 2019 and they, they tried to work out what are some of the most important attributes of leaders and, 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 and colleagues when people are, are thriving in, in teams. And they, they realised this, people rate a colleague or a boss high in trust if they, and there are these five things, if they are a role model and set a good example, if they walk the talk, if they honour commitments and keep promises, this is all just about consistency, being the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, communicate well and often and are willing to go above and beyond what needs to be done. Are you that person in your organisation? Are you consistent? Are you the same no matter what you're going through? People know the struggles we're going through, but if we turn up and we're like, oh, then how do we get to say, but God? If people know we're going through stuff or the whole team's going through stuff or the business is, is really under, under the pump and you're the only person in the organisation that still has a ray of hope and some joy and you, people are going to be like, what, dude, what is up with you? And then we get to be vulnerable and then we get to share. Consistency is like an accelerant. If you put authenticity and, and if you put vulnerability in a, in a Bunsen burner or in a, what do you call it? Test tube. Consistency is like turning on the Bunsen burner. It's something that accelerates trust. So yes, be authentic. Yes, be vulnerable, but do it all the time, over and over. Let your words line up with your actions. Treat everybody the same, no matter their title or attributes. Be available for people all the time and love them every day the way Jesus would. The second key to building kingdom relationships, I'll ask the band to join me. Honour others. What does that mean, Luke? What does honour others mean? Don't we just honour like prime ministers and presidents and... Well, Paul instructs us in Romans 12, he says this, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary 
says that honor is to honor someone means to regard or treat them with admiration and respect. And this is tough for us in Western culture because we are not used to honoring people that aren't worthy of honor. Prime Minister turns up, we'll know how to honor him. Senior pastor walks in, we know how to honor him. Your boss at work, you know how to honor them. You know how to honor people in power and influence. That's, that's just the way our society works. But it doesn't often occur to us to honor people that are around us and maybe below us in the organization. People that work for you. When's the last time you honored an employee? But Paul doesn't add a qualifier. He doesn't say, only honor those that are worthy of honor, or only honor those who are in a high position, or only honor your boss or the prime minister. He says, honor one another above yourselves. There's no qualifier. And this looks like the way we speak, the, way we, the respect that we give. You know, you know that's, we, under, we underestimate this, but there is so much power in words. The way you speak to people and what you say and how you say it makes a massive difference in people's lives. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In Proverbs 16 it says, Gracious words are like honeycombs, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. You know that you can actually speak someone healthy? If you continually just speak life into them, if they're going through a rough patch and you can just continually speak love and life and you honour them and you, 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 you pray for them and you, you speak to them, and it can actually change their physical being. Our words can build up someone emotionally and physically or our words can tear them down. What else does it look like? The respect that we give others, the commitment we make to listening with the intent to understand. Acknowledging the contribution of others, asking for opinions, And this is a big one. The way we can honour people, the way that Jesus honoured people, is he spent time getting to know them to find out what was really going on in their world and how could he help. How many people in your office, in your team, are the quiet ones that you actually don't even know what's going on? You don't know if their son's on drugs or their marriage is on the rocks or they've had a, a family member pass away. You don't know. But Paul says we are to honour them. And it's, it's easier to honour people with our words and actions when we, when we are overflowing with the, the joy and the gratitude that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit and in a, in a great relationship with Jesus. It is, we're constantly looking at ways to bless and love people. Paul goes on to say in Romans in verse 12, and this, this should just be a... Team, this should just be in every team guide in every organization. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And can I tell you that the Lord sees everybody as his people. Don't just love the people that are here. Don't just practice hospitality to those that you already know. Because it's not a common thing. To love and honor people the way that the Bible tells us to is actually not a common thing. And it blows people, people's minds, not only when you do it for them, but when they hear that you've done it for them. As you know, Elena and I have just spent some time in France. 
When I shared around the dinner table with the whole family, the miracle and the testimony of how I got to be sitting there in that moment, how I got to you know, be through the generosity of this house and the love of the people in this house and the, the way you have honoured us with just praying for us and, and giving us things. When I shared that, everybody around the table, none of them have a, a meaningful and close relationship with Jesus. But when I started sharing about the love and honour and, and, and generosity of, of this community, there wasn't one person around that table that wasn't crying their eyes out. In fact, my sister-in-law said to me, I tell you what, we, we, we don't have a community like that in Montreal. But if we did, I would be part of it. Paul goes on to say, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Build kingdom relationships with the people that you work with. You have been placed there for a reason. It's not by accident. God doesn't do accidents. God is divine and He knew that you would be where you are doing what you're doing with the ability and the opportunity to influence the people that you're around. And understand this your relationships with the people that you work with or with anybody that doesn't know Jesus, every one of them has eternal consequence. We don't know when that person's not going to be here anymore or when we are not going to be in their life anymore. So let's take advantage of it. I'm not talking about Bible bashing. I'm talking about two simple things. Build trust through authenticity, through vulnerability and through consistency. Holy Spirit will give you opportunities to just be Jesus in that moment. And the second thing is honour people. Love them the way we're taught to love people. Serve them. Write them cards. Bring them meals. Take them out for lunch. Respect them like they've never been respected and watch what God will do as your relationship and their relationship start to cross and God does something amazing in the middle. Why don't don't you stand with me? I just really feel led. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads? I, I, I feel led to pray for people today because I think and I pray and I hope that as much as you've been challenged, you've also been encouraged that, hey, I, I actually can make a difference. And I want to see my friends and my workmates and my colleagues and my family that doesn't know Jesus, I want to see them come into a relationship with Him. And I have an opportunity to partner with God in that. But we've all got excuses. The biggest one and the most you know, prevalent one is just fear. Fear of man. What, what will they say? What if, my, what if my example hasn't been good enough? What if they don't believe me? What, just be authentic and consistent and vulnerable. And just love on them. But I want to I pray for some things to break off people this morning. 
I'm not going to ask you to come down, but you know, you know if your heart's doing, you know that person at work that you've maybe started a conversation with. And you're like, you know what, this is, this is an opportunity just to go deeper in that relationship. Be intentional. And I'm just going to pray for people this morning. So what I want you to do is I just want you to put your hands out. If that's you this morning, if you feel like you have been placed in your workplace with an opportunity to build kingdom relationships and you're not quite where you want to be, and to be honest, it's most of us, then I'm going to pray and the Lord is going to do a miracle in your life this morning. Father God, I, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that you so cherish and value and love relationship. We thank you for the relationship we have with your son, Jesus. But God, we also know that relationships are so valuable and the enemy would do everything in his power to stop us from having kingdom relationships. So Lord, this morning for every person here who's got their arms outreached, who knows that they have been placed in their workplace with a kingdom mission, I pray, Father God, that the fear of man would break now in Jesus' name. That the fear of disappointment, that the, the, that the fear of not being authentic, with, that the things, the excuses that have been on that screen, that they would just melt away like butter as we, as we understand the realisation, Lord, that we have the opportunity, filled with your Holy Spirit, and seeing people the way you do, to, to have a kingdom relationship with the people that we work with. Father, I thank you in advance, and I, I declare that there will be dozens and dozens of people come to know you over this next season, because we placed where we are, understand the importance and the value and start to work intentionally, aligned with you, God, on kingdom relationships. And I thank you, Lord, for the harvest of souls in every business, every organization, every school and university as we take up this challenge to build kingdom relationships that have eternal value. Well, every head is still bowed. We've been talking a lot this morning about relationships. And if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. I know about Him, but I don't know Him. You don't need to jump through a million hoops. The Bible is clear. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, then you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven and you will enter into what we know is a relationship with God. Your heart might be pumping right now. You might be thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been looking for. It's very simple. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to let me know if that's you. And we're going to pray. I'm going to say a prayer. And so I know who I'm praying with. I just need you to indicate, you know what? I want to take that journey of following Jesus, of being in relationship with the God who created me. I don't understand everything, but I know that that's the step I need to take. And it makes so much sense because I want to know God not just about him. And if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. But so I know who I'm praying for on the count of three, just give me a wave. One, two, three. Is anyone this morning saying, I'd like to be in relationship with Jesus? I want to follow him. I know that he'll forgive my sins and he'll give me a future and a hope that I currently don't have. Just looking around the room, anybody upstairs? Fantastic. Anybody else this morning? A couple of hands going up. Anybody else? Just five more seconds I don't want to miss anybody out fantastic thank you bless you see you down there we have a few people who have made that decision this morning which is amazing so why don't we all together if that was you this morning just place your hand on a heart just as a symbol that, that something is going on inside your heart this morning Father God I thank you that you sent your son Jesus 
to die and to take our sin and punishment so that we could once again be in relationship with you. And Lord, for these people this morning that are making that decision to say, I want to be in relationship with you, Father, I pray that you remove their sin, remove their shame, remove their guilt, Lord, and flood into them, Holy Spirit, a new life. Let them know that you love them and that you are with them and that you are for them. We thank you, God, that by saying yes to you, not only are our sins forgiven, but our eternal relationship with you is secure. Father, I pray that you would walk with them, that you would reveal yourself to them, put people around them this week that can help them on the journey. And I pray that they would understand that they are now in relationship with you because of the work of the cross. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.